in James chapter 3, starting in verse 13. We're going to go down to verse 18 there. But James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18 reads like this. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder of and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And I love this promise right here in verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is God's word, Crossroads family. You may be seated. Just by way of uh, welcoming any of you who trickled in, welcome to Crossroads Bible Church. We're so glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, I'm so glad that I get to be here with you this morning. My name is Dave Giroux, and uh, I have just the joy of being one of the resident pastors here with my man Trigg. And uh, we're going to open up God's word this morning. But uh, before we uh, get into the text, uh, maybe just by way of introing and setting up the text, uh, Recently, I've been learning something, and by recently, I mean like the last six to seven years. Uh, on the screen, you can see this picture here of my family. My wife, Jacqueline, will hate me for sharing this picture, right? But uh, this is us here with our kids, Luke, who's a little over six years old, and then our baby girl, Ivy, who's about to turn three in less than a month from now. And uh, let's just say I need your prayers as much uh, as anybody else these days, but... Um, I know this lesson that we've been learning recently might come to a surprise to some of you who either have kids or you are uh, someone who just provides care for kids. And, but every once in a while, Luke and Ivy, they'll ask us for something to which Jacqueline and I say no for various reasons. It might be because it doesn't align with our family values, or maybe it just conflicts with our budget or reality itself, like asking for a spaceship. Um, and in a shocking twist, uh, I know, maybe a day or 17 minutes later, they'll come back around to us and ask us for the same thing, to which we'll say again to them, no, here's why. And here's just the lesson I've been learning in parenthood, in marriage, in pastoral ministry, in just life in general. It's this, that effective communication is repeated communication. Effective communication, it's repeated communication. And I just want to put it out there that as we step into the text this morning and we read the words that James was inspired by God's Spirit to write over a thousand years ago, I just can't help but say, this dude here is an effective communicator. You see, James is saying in this text, nothing new. He's saying nothing new here. And 
what we're going to see also is that he's not only saying nothing new in this letter, he's saying nothing new in Scripture. This text is dense with these hyperlinks to earlier portions in the biblical story that I think show us that the end game he has in mind here is not just being wise and understanding for wise and understanding's sake. We'll get into that in just a minute, but just to start us off here, look with me there at verse 13. We see right out of the gate this question, who is wise and understanding? And when James is asking this question, just know he's not asking for a show of hands as if he's anticipating someone to say, right here, wise guy, understanding guy right here. No, no, no. He's The essence of his question is more along the lines of this. What sort of person is wise and understanding? What sort of person is wise and understanding? He's picking up this theme he first introduced in just the first few lines of this letter. James 1 verse 5 says, let's see if any of you can finish this, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all I love this, without reproach. What a statement about God's generosity there. It's like he sets this out as, it's like he puts this out there from the outset of his letter to just tip us off that we can anticipate that the theme of wisdom, the theme of understanding, it's what he's going to be fleshing out for the remainder of this letter. And here in our text today, James continues this portrait of wisdom through the lens and with a tale of two wisdoms. Our text is just a tale of two wisdoms, two options for the way of wisdom we can pursue. And at the end of this all, we're going to see that in light of these two options, there's really only one choice we can make that will truly lead to flourishing, truly lead to us being fully alive to God, fully alive to one another, and dare I say, even all creation and ourselves. So we're going to just jump right into this thing. But before, but I just want to say this too. I keep saying, we're going to jump into these things, but before. Here's what I want to say though, is when we jump into this text here, James is showing us That by this question, who is wise and understanding among you, he's beginning the text with the end game in mind. He's leading with what Simon Sinek says, lead with why. The purpose behind it, the end goal of being wise and understanding. And it takes us all the way back into the biblical story. Uh, I mean, we're talking not just Proverbs, but even further back. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 4, and there Moses is offering the people of God, Israel, it's like his final pep talk before they enter into the promised land. They're on the front door of this thing. And as we read these words that are about to come up on the screen, my hope is just that we'll see two things. Number one, we'll just see how these words right here function as the backdrop to the text we're going to be in this morning. And then the second thing, though, is this that will see the end game for being wise and understanding. It'll be right here on the screen. You can see it in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Moses says to the people of Israel, See, I have taught you statutes and rules. 
as the Lord my God commanded me. Why? That you should do them. Hear the echoes even in James right there of not just being hearers, but doers of his word. That you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. He continues like this. Keep them and do them. Why? For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, literally the nations, who when they hear all these statutes will say, I love this right here, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Do you see the end game of being wise and understanding here? As we consider just these words on the screen, what we see here is that this being wise, this understanding thing here, the end game is bigger than what we know. What's up here? The end game of being a wise and understanding people. It's what we do with what we know. How we walk the text out, specifically here, it's the statutes and rules that Moses taught Israel during their 40 years in the wilderness. And what I love about it is this, the end game of being wise and understanding, it's one word that we love here at Crossroads. One word we were just celebrating to God, mission, mission. You know, we see here at Crossroads mission as the sacrificial pursuit of our neighbor. The sacrificial pursuit of our neighbor. When Moses called the Israelites to keep and do the statutes and rules he taught them, he's calling them not just to be a wise and understanding people, but a wise and understanding people for the sake of of this mission. I mean, there are, the best scholarly count is that there are about 613 statutes and rules that Moses taught Israel during this time in the wilderness. And thankfully, Jesus simplified it to just two commands, love God supremely and love your neighbor sacrificially. When we apply that to the statutes and rules that Moses is talking about here, he's indicating that when we love God supremely, when we love our neighbors sacrificially, our neighbors and the nations are watching. They're not only watching, but they're willing. Willing to engage, willing to experience from us this wisdom and understanding that was unlike anything else the peoples around Israel were embodying. And I just find this so encouraging, but I also find this so convicting because it makes me wonder, does this describe my relationship with my neighbors? Does this describe your relationship with the people that live on both sides of your address? By the numbers, the answer is maybe. 
I mean, check out these figures just published two weeks ago from Barna Research. This one's interesting for obvious reasons, but just notice that leading question there at the top. Between each of the following pairs of statements, which comes closer to your feelings about this person sharing their religious faith with you? Underneath, and maybe the finer print details for us, the base being people of no faith who personally know a Christian who talk to them about their faith. And in the bottom corner, that number of people that makes up the base, 284 people there. And the first three questions are actually kind of a three-game win streak for us in the win column. Uh, the first three there, I felt cared for more times than not. Uh, I felt more positive toward Jesus. There's a win in the tallies. I felt heard. Before we get too excited, though, family, consider these next three stats where we see ourselves go on a little bit of a losing streak. 35% to 26% said, I wanted to not talk about this again. 29 to 25%, I felt close to the person. No, not really. And then here's the kicker. By a landslide, we lose this category. 43% to 23% did not want to know more about Jesus. This just makes me wonder, man. What kind of person then would compel you to want to learn more about Jesus? And on this next slide, we actually get that answer in the data Barna put out. The leading question again. Imagine if Imagine a Christian you would be interested in learning from. Which of the following characteristics would you use to describe them? And we don't, we're not going to get into all 10 of these categories here, but just look at the top three there. 39% would want to learn more about Jesus from someone who listens without judgment. 33% say they would want to learn more about Jesus from someone who's honest about their doubts, someone who's comfortable enough in Christ to say, I don't got this all figured out. But then 31% say they would be interested in learning more about Jesus from someone who does not force a conclusion. Ouch. In just these top three categories alone, family, we see the kind of person the world wants to learn more from Jesus about. And lo and behold, when we open the text we're in this morning, that's the kind of person James is detailing and calling us to be. And so for just the next few moments, we're going to explore how James continues to portray wisdom through the lenses of two options he puts on the table. And then at the end of it all, we'll see that this just leaves us with one choice to make. But first, as with all things, a little coffee break. Let's talk about coffee for a minute. Um, growing up as a kid in the 90s, uh, our family just had a way of keeping the TV on, literally from the moment we woke up to when we went to sleep. And there was something about 90s TV commercials that just really had it going on in the jingle department, right? I mean, think of all the jingles from the 90s we still love and celebrate. But one that I remember as a kid that I didn't quite understand then was something like this. The best part of waking up is 
yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't really understand all that until I got older and became a man and also paid my way through seminary driving a semi-truck where coffee was literally essential to my existence and my profession. But when I started to buy my own coffee, here's my hot take for the day, y'all. I found that Folgers was not the best part of waking up. <laughs> Ferris was. Madcap. Boutique coffee. I, call me a coffee snob. Okay. But as I started buying my own coffee, I, I noticed something else. The good stuff I wanted to buy was always on the top shelf, required a little bit of a reach, and dare I say, also caused me to dump out my retirement. <laughs> it cost me something. But then there was Folgers as well in that same section, and it's right there in front of me. It's effortless. It cost me the same price I'd pay for a sandwich. James is saying there is a top shelf wisdom here and a bottom shelf wisdom. One is going to cost you more. It's going to take effort. Hear me. You don't have to earn it. That's been purchased in Christ. But boy, you got to work. you got to count the cost. But it's better than the other option. The bottom shelf wisdom. It's right there in front of you. A lot of people are drinking it. It doesn't cost much. Which one are you going to choose? And so I just want us to dive a little deeper into these two options of wisdom. Let's start with wisdom from below, verses 14 to 16. Look there with me. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast. It's like, don't boast about the fact that you drink Folgers coffee. <laughs> Joke fail. Sorry. I'll be honest. Got too excited. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual. And then there's this shocking word here about it, demonic. And he explains it in verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. What James is saying here is this, don't confuse as a virtue what God sees as a vice. Don't confuse as a virtue what God sees as a vice. Specifically, James is warning against something he repeats in this text twice. In verse 14 and verse 16, what phrase does he talk about? Jealousy and selfish ambition. And I don't know about you, but I found this shocking when he states that people who are full of these qualities, they're no different than Adam and Eve were when they first rebelled against God in the garden. Sit on that for a minute. Back in the garden, we see our parents see a tree that God commanded them not to eat from. But a tree 
the text says, that would make them what? Wise. The serpent there is saying, you eat from that stuff, you'll be like God. This is what got us into the mess so many of us are all too familiar with. They wanted to be like God, and I would even dare say they wanted to be God. They had this jealousy and selfish ambition in their hearts. I know this to be true, not just because I've seen it in the Bible. I know this to be true because I've seen this in my life. There have been times in my life, in my marriage, when to call my life circumstances earthly, unspiritual, demonic was not a stretch. Yeah, no one was possessed demonically. But someone was obsessed with demonic influence. Me. And obsession with me and what I wanted. Me and what I was desperate for. And it wasn't God. Have you been there before? The reality is this. like We all get trapped. We all have been trapped. Beneath, in the thing beneath the thing that James is getting here. He's getting at this ugly word I hate so much, and it's this comparison. Where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, comparison is not far behind. In fact, it's driving that thing. And anybody who knows the comparison game knows it's a losing game, and you're not the only one feeling its effect. Comparison game is not one where you just lose, but everyone in your sphere of influence loses too. Comparison creates jealousy, creates selfish ambition, and these create chaos and destruction to the best things God gives us to enjoy and steward for his glory and our good. We compare careers. We compare cars we drive to the ones they drive. We compare the houses we live in or the ones we don't. Thank you, Realtor.com and Zillow. Been there before. The relationships we have or the ones we wish we had or the ones we wish they didn't have. The appearances we don't just desire but demand to upkeep. I must be seen in this way. Man, what's driving all that? Comparison, jealousy, selfish ambition. That's chaos in my book right there, y'all. And when I think about this kind of chaos, it just makes me want to step back and ask the question. Maybe you're asking yourself, man, is this really the life I want to live? Is this really wisdom? I want marking my life. See, we do have choices, Crossroads family. Option one is this wisdom from below. And then as we move on in our text, we see option number two. And it's right here in verse 17, which James calls 
wisdom from above. Check this out with me. Verse 17. But wisdom from above, and here's an incredible list to just memorize in your heart, in your mind, and let it flow out of your life. Wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. This is the second available option for us, and it could not be any different, any more different than the one we just explored. I mean, just notice the difference of adjectives for wisdom from below, three. But then you look at this next wisdom, there are seven words that James is just trying to use to conjure up to even begin to describe the goodness and superiority of this wisdom from above. Let's just take a moment, go one by one here, just some quick hot shots, just one after another on thinking about these seven descriptors of this wisdom from above. When I think about pure, I think of someone, you never need to question their motives. When I think about someone who's peaceable, I think about someone who's not a peacekeeper, who just goes along to get along. I think of someone who's a peacemaker, someone who cultivates the flourishing of everyone around them. It's this idea of shalom, peace, just the way it was supposed to be. Then there's that word gentle. And I'll be honest, for me as a man, this gentle thing, I, I find that this is where I always got areas to grow because I am wired just so intense. You haven't picked that up yet. Um, <laughs> But someone whose actions and words have a way of moving people without crushing them, without steamrolling them. Then there's open to reason, and I think of just someone who's innately curious. They're quick to ask questions about you, your circumstances, the big picture the details that help inform a decision they're trying to make. Full of mercy and good fruits, it's just this beautiful two-for-one virtue. It's that person who, when you're on your last rope, they're throwing you the lifeline you need and sometimes the lifeline you don't deserve. Think about just the last two there. Impartial, sincere, impartial, just that person who refuses to play the favorites game. That someone who sees and treats anyone and everyone on the same playing field before God themselves and everyone else. Impartial and then Sincere, this might be my favorite one because I love sincere people. People who say what they mean and mean what they say and the gap between their words and their actions is airtight. Sincere. As we just consider these seven attributes, I don't know about you, but... Is it just me or does it feel like we're reading 
about more than just precepts and principles here? Does it not feel like we're reading about a person? A person James was well acquainted with, maybe even from birth. A person some people might say was his brother, but he prefers to say is his Lord, Jesus. Can I just suggest to you, Crossroads family, Jesus is the true wisdom that comes down from above. Jesus is the wise and understanding person among us, with us, to the end of the age. Hallelujah. I love this. Jesus, I mean, you just read this text we're in this morning, and you walk down what we're called to be. (laughs) James is calling us to be a people that Jesus was in the first place. Before we were ever called to be a wise and understanding people, Jesus was wise and understanding first. By his good conduct, he showed his works in the meekness of wisdom. Jesus had no jealousy or selfish ambition in his heart. He never boasted or was ever false to the truth. He is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. But you and me, family, Ever since the garden, we've just been in this business of exalting ourselves. Of us wanting to not just be like God, but to be God. And as a result, to be exiled from the garden of being fully alive to God, fully alive to one another, fully alive to creation. Man, even fully alive to who we are and why we're here. And then this is the irony of the gospel. (laughs) While we're over here wanting to be like God and be God, Jesus, he, as God, becomes not just like us. He becomes one of us and dwells right next door and becomes our neighbor. (sighs) He was the one who lived, died, and was raised among us, and by his life, death, and resurrection, Crossroads family, he overcame everything earthly, everything unspiritual, everything demonic. And when we believe this good news, so many of you know this story. Because so many of you have initially believed this. Let me encourage you. Continue believing this good news. When we believe this good news, Jesus exports his, his life, his even death and resurrection while we import to him our sin and our death that he overcomes on the cross. This brings peace to our chaos. It transforms our vile practices into a thing of beauty so we can live a life of worship, community, and that word we began with, mission. Mission. So we have a choice. 
And the question is this, which wisdom? Which wisdom will you choose this morning? Which wisdom are you choosing? Which wisdom do you just need to have a little breakup conversation with? Today we saw that James is saying nothing new here, Crossroads family. He isn't saying anything new in his letter. He's not saying anything new here in Scripture. Here and all the way through, the message in James is clear to be a people wise and understanding. Not for what we know, but for the sake of what we do, for the sake of mission, by loving people, by loving people sacrificially because we love a God sacrificially who in Christ Jesus loved us first. We live in an ever-watching world, family. We live not just in a watching world, but a willing world. A willing world to engage and to learn from us if only we would be the real deal. If only we would be the kind of people James is calling us to be through faith in the one who embodied this text first, Jesus. And Wes, I just, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say to you, Crossroads family, is this. Receive the wisdom that came down for you. Receive the wisdom in Christ Jesus that came down for you because the reality is this. The wisdom you and I receive is the wisdom that we give, whether it's wisdom from below or wisdom from above. But when you receive the wisdom that came down for you, Here's the beautiful thing. You can share the wisdom the world needs from you. You can share the wisdom the world needs from you. And remember that wisdom isn't what podcasts give you up here. The wisdom we have to share is a person. The prince of peace. The true peacemaker. The true cultivator of our flourishing the one who's going to one day bring new creation. <laughs> and just as we close up shop here, family, the Jewish people understood that moments like these just, sometimes they just require us to have this outward expression of the inner work God is doing in our lives. And if that's you today, if you find yourself being just this construction zone of, for God, just the work he's doing inside you right now, you can participate in that work. The Jewish people called this thing mikvah, right here. These bowls, and even in their, some cases, these full tubs that they would immerse themselves into as just this way of participating in what God was doing in their lives to say, God, wash my mind. God, wash my eyes. God, wash my mouth. Wash my ears. Wash my hands. Wash my feet. Wash my, wash my heart. And I'll be the first to say that I need this mikvah. If you find yourself this morning ready put, to put a stake in the ground to say to Jesus, you can have it all, Lord. Man, I just invite you, join me. Join me 
in the practice of mikvah to participate in the work of the wisdom coming down for you. Let's be a people, Crossroads, who, at the end of the day, when we receive this wisdom that came down for us, we can share the wisdom the world needs from us. The band's going to come up right now, lead us in a couple songs. And as they lead us, I just invite you to consider the invitation to mikvah. The mikvah to be washed because you've been washed. <laughs> to wash away so that God may wash in you.